Join us as we gather around the hedge, where we dig into technology, business, and culture with the finest minds in computer networking. I'm doing fine, Russ. How are you? I'm fine. Your back desk looks busy, like someone's actually been using it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's been happening. And someone gave me some uh, box of chocolates for Christmas, so that was really nice. So that's the festive decoration. That's all that you're going to oh, get. Oh, okay. That's the festive decoration. I mean, I have my trees and my Snoopies and like, what's up with that, dude? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a plain clothes kind of guy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you need to at least wrap some of those books and put ribbons around them. So oh, that, sure. Yeah, you know, so that they're so that they're good. Um, so yeah, this morning we are joined by Jasper, who is getting another blanket. There he is. Hey, Jasper. So Jasper, Jasper's cold, so he's getting another blanket. Jasper, where are you that it's cold? <laughs> uh, it's getting very cold. So, so our cold is not cold as your cold, right? For us, even <laughs> uh, 10 degrees centigrade is very cold. So we live in a warm part of the world in India. Okay. Uh, so I near, live near to the capital city of Delhi, a place okay. called Noida. Yeah. And so is it just that, just that like it's normally warm? Like this is what happens in warm climates. Like cold is colder than usual. Like I'm like, I, I lived in New Jersey in the United States for a long time and it's very cold in New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) And there was one time I was out in Nebraska and I walked out and there was this truck stop across the road and they had a, they had a sign up that gives you like the, a thermometer sign, a big one, right? And the thermometer sign said negative three. And I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, that's Fahrenheit. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's like negative 35 degrees Celsius or something. I'm like, this is bad. <laughs> this is this is going to be a very cold morning. So Jasmine, tell us a little bit about yourself. So you work for IBM right now, right? Uh, that's correct. Uh, so I'm playing uh, currently uh, playing the role of principal architect, IoT and cloud. Okay. Uh, when I say cloud, it's uh, primarily AWS cloud that I work on. Okay. Uh, I joined IBM two years back, but prior to that, I spent more than two decades in a company called HCL. My role was very similar. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk about IoT. I think I think the best thing to do is to start with a little bit of a definition because I know a lot of people have heard the term and we kind of know what it is a little bit. But like what all is included in IoT? Like and your background is embedded, so you probably have a better sense of what IoT means to or should mean. Um, so why don't you explain a little bit about IoT and its importance and, and where it's going to and how it impacts the networking world. Oh, that's correct, uh, Russ. Uh, so you're very uh, correct in that, that there is no single definition for IoT. Okay. Everyone defines as per their understanding and, and as per their objectives. Uh, so, and uh, uh, naturally so, because IoT is not kind of a one specific technology or a one specific kind of, a, uh, I'll say, uh, mechanism. It's kind of a combination of multiple technologies. Uh, essentially, uh, uh, the IoT, uh, the, the, the benefit of IoT is 
that we are able to get data uh, get data from the uh, physical world uh, aggregate that data and you know do analytics on top of that okay. that's the crux of uh, iot uh, but then obviously there are you know more uh, uh, finer details that are available okay what type of uh, analytics are there right uh, whether we are kind of uh, just analyzing the data or we are taking action on top of that data so that are additional kind of uh, definitions and additional kind of complexities that are there in iot and uh, IoT is considered as a complex, uh, especially from an implementation standpoint. And that's where, you know, I think networking also comes into picture. And I believe it's complex uh, uh, because it involves multiple things, you know, multiple technologies. If we talk about uh, devices, right, there's kind of a lot of uh, uh, embedded technology involved, as you mentioned, right? And it has its own uh, set of challenges. So, for example, uh, how to make the constrained devices with very minimal hardware, very minimal compute, very minimal memory to operate in kind of a, uh, or let's say, harsh environments. Okay, so that's kind of a physical part of it. And uh, so that's one end of the spectrum uh, where, you know, the devices are constrained and we have to kind of uh, see how we can leverage the minimal uh, compute and memory that is available for uh, devices to work. So that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of spectrum is kind of a backend or a cloud where you know uh, even compute memory is almost unlimited. Okay. So, and the reason uh, people find it difficult, uh, at least, you know, people who are new to IoT, because they, they seem to be two entirely different worlds, they need to kind of merge. Okay, so either you will find people are very uh, well versed with uh, devices or embedded side, or people are well versed with the cloud. Right? So it's very uh, difficult to find a person who has kind of uh, experience in both uh, the bo both uh, ends of the spectrum. Let's say. So uh, that's pretty much it, uh, right? Uh, so IoT. Uh, in my understanding, it's just a mechanism to gather data from physical world, uh, run kind of a analytics on top of it, and give insights to the users. So, what does what does cloud give you um, in in the IoT world? Why do you need it? Why why can't you just operate on um, just you have the devices, you have an application running somewhere? What's the what's the power that cloud gives to IoT? Uh, uh, that, that's a good question, uh, Tom. So we don't need specifically cloud. Okay. So any kind of uh, backend server would suffice. IoT needs uh, the, the the benefit that the cloud brings to the table, and especially the uh, kind of uh, public cloud providers. Uh, what they bring is that they bring extensive set of services that makes uh, development, validation and deployment of IoT solutions very easy, okay? Because they kind of take the heavy lifting that is involved in developing IoT solutions. Uh, just to give, give an example, right? Uh, so they, let's say, provide a lot of analytics out of the box which you can directly use. Otherwise, you have to hard code everything, you know, hand, hand code everything. So that's kind of a benefit. And the second benefit is obviously the scalability part of it. Okay? Because in IoT world, uh, normally we say that uh, growth is almost like a hockey stick. 
So initially there are very minimal number of uh, users, many nim- minimal number of uh, deployments. But let's say then when the people start seeing the value, then there's an immediately exponential growth. So th- that type of you know growth can be very well handled by uh, public cloud providers because they offer you know both uh, scalability up and down. Hmm. So I, th- I would think as well that cloud is going to help you connect. Because uh, you only have to get to the internet, right, to get to cloud, if it's a public cloud. Now, private cloud, of course, you still have to get to your own private cloud somehow, unless it's connected to the internet. But um, I would assume that network connectivity-wise, it's easier to use IoT with a cloud than it is to have some back-end server that you have to have access to in some way. Is that is that like a, a thing, or is that more of a just a, a deployment issue? Uh, that's correct. I believe uh, that's more of a uh, uh, implementation choice, I'll say. So let's say if you want to keep your data secure, you don't want uh, that data to be shared with anyone. Obviously, you know you won't uh, want that data to go to the public cloud. But obviously, you are limiting yourself because you don't have that expertise that, you know, services that are available out of the box, a lot of things you are doing from scratch, which are not needed, which, you know, cloud providers provide out of the box. Uh, so that's one aspect. Uh, but obviously, and also since now the uh, network is almost, at least the internet is almost ubiquitous. Okay, it's available everywhere. So I don't think there is any reason, you know, for uh, not to go with the public cloud providers. Hmm. So I'm I'm curious when when I just myself uh, think of IoT the first thing that comes to my mind um, is is a fridge with a sensor in it like my fridge in my house or a um, monitor yeah uh, sure sure Some, something in it that that gives me a piece of data that to me um, and I'm a consumer so it's not exactly it is fairly trivial but someone went ahead and threw some compute and 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 they put a, a network jack or a Wi-Fi. Uh, receiver in my fridge and so now I can go check the temperature of my fridge um, but that sort of to me like the at least in a consumer sense to me the value is limited but what are what are the what's your counter to that I I, I know that there's did there's value in the data but what what is what are some examples of things that that IOT really does enable that's not that's not trivial yeah, I know you very well said that you know, these are the initial use cases I'll say, uh, which which was kind of uh, which had their own value, and that kind of uh, illustrated uh, the value of IoT to the normal people, people on the ground. Uh, but you know, also uh, this is just the beginning, okay? But there's far more than you know attaching sensors to the fridge, obviously. A lot of you know benefits. Uh, uh, one of one of the you know most prominent thing about IoT is that its application is across multiple domains. Okay, it's not restricted to one domain. It can be agriculture. Okay, so for example, there it's being used for uh, uh, crop monitoring. Okay, increasing yield. Okay. Uh, doing kind of a predictive uh, estimation of the crop health. That's uh, from agriculture standpoint. And even in the manufacture or industrial space, there's a lot of use cases where you know uh, people are even analyzing the legacy machines for their operation uh, they uh, they want to monitor uh, the operation of the machines uh, their throughput okay uh, and there's kind of another use case about the predictive maintenance also where uh, you want to kind of predict 
when the uh, machine will fail or if the machine will fail and take the necessary precautions so that the minimal downtime so those i'll say are more serious use cases uh, but not to say that you no know, adding a sensor to a fridge is a trivial one that has also its own uh, relevance so go, so I go back to crop to, to expand that example a little bit so you're saying things like nitrogen sensors in the soil water sensors to control how much fertilizer and water you're putting into it is there the presence of i don't know different kinds of um animals or or bugs or something that might be harming the crops those types of things is what you would be looking for in in a farming perspective right is that the kind of thing that you're thinking or that you've seen uh that's correct that's correct and you know each also uh, geography each uh, country has its own kind of a set of implementation even if we talk about smart agriculture the way the smart agriculture is implemented in let's say united states would be completely different the way it is implemented in india because the cost factors are different cost sensitivities are different even the average land holding is uh, different okay Uh, so uh, but essentially you are right uh, so it uh, uh, the idea is to monitor the crop health and the objective is to enhance the yield okay for that uh, obviously <coughs> different farmers uh, take iot to uh, from a different you know implementation standpoint some go all out and they want kind of uh, to monitor everything some want only want to monitor some aspect of uh, Uh, crop health for example you know is there any possibility of crop getting uh, some uh, disease for example okay whereas some other who want to even predict uh, what will be the water usage what what is the potential water uses so and so forth so it essentially depends on you know uh, i'll say uh, overall uh, context so for example right in, in indian context what we have seen that uh, iot can even be deployed or let's say uh, creating a Uh, I'll say a land holding platform. Okay, so here the idea would be <coughs> that uh, small farmers they can accumulate their land, okay, uh, on a platform, and then uh, basically do a farming on a larger uh, piece of land. And once that you know uh, output is generated, they can share those uh, benefits because you know uh, it's very difficult, uh, at least uh, for the marginal or uh, small farmers, to have this type of automation because deploying sensors, maintaining them is expensive uh, proposition. Okay. Yeah, so I was, I was going to ask, continuing to expand the the farming example, so clearly there's value uh, there that can be harnessed. uh what are the what are the what are the big challenges what are the uh, things that make it hard to deploy iot in these type of environments uh correct <clears throat> uh, uh um, because you know in general right uh, we'll talk about agriculture specifically but in general one of the main issues in deploying sensors is at least uh, in the open area that you know it has to be kind of a operate in a very harsh environments okay it's considering the india climate there's extreme hot season extreme cold seasons so the sensor has to work regardless okay and then there's additional challenges for example this sometimes there's a floods okay so uh, essentially since they are deployed in a physical environment they are not kind of a Uh, protected and they are not protected by a casing or a robust casing so those type of physical challenges are there even their 
kind of a threat of a people stealing sensors, for example. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe may, may, it may not be of for for their use, but you know they want to steal for fun, for example. Okay. So those type of uh, challenges are definitely there if we go to see the real uh, life uh, challenges. So what about what about um, I don't know power? So have have there been significant advances in battery technology and and like in in terms of powering IoT devices? Is that is that as big an issue as it was ten years ago, or is power like are we still? Because I know at some point there was a proliferation of uh, specifically networking technologies for low power devices. Um, that seems to have settled down. Uh, if I'm reading it right, it, do, do we think we have the power problem in hand now, or is it still actively being developed? Or uh, I'll say uh, definitely the situation is much better than it was ten years back. Okay. Battery uh, life has con- uh, improved drastically, and now even there are uh, more advances, specifically harvesting the natural energy sources. For example, if you consider 10 years back, right, uh, harvesting solar energy was costly proposition. Now it's very, very uh, cheap, uh, very, very inexpensive. So yeah, both things are there. Uh, the battery problems and battery life has improved drastically. We can not even talk about IoT. Let's talk about in general consumer variables also. Right, the smart watches. That, uh, my smart watch easily run on two days <laughs> by uh, charging it once. No. So those type of uh, advancement have definitely helped IoT deployments as well. In addition to the kind of uh, uh, capability or ability to harness uh, natural energy sources, that has also improved a lot. Okay, awesome. So battery, solar, other ways of harvesting energy. Now let's talk about some of the other interesting devices that we would think about of IoT. We've talked a little bit about, okay, so there is, um, let's see, there is um, um, agriculture. We've talked a little about refrigerators. Is there other, I mean, what other things are there besides like agriculture? You talked a little bit about manufacturing. So where would IoT be used heavily in, in manufacturing? And is that actually something that people would consider not IoT, but um, I don't know, IOC or whatever else they call it? Industrial control oh, right. systems or something like that? Uh, that that's correct. I think uh, it's a, just uh, IoT is umbrella term. Then you have a different set of you know, uh, IoT uh, IoT domain specific implementations, right? As you rightly mentioned, that for industrial IoT we have IIoT, okay, industrial IoT, but that's kind of a just a flavor given to generic IoT. Uh, but essentially, uh, the concept remains same. Uh, uh, the implementation challenges vary. Okay, for example, in case of industrial IoT, uh, there's kind of a, a big uh, issue of how to convert, you know. OT and I, uh, IT systems, for example, okay, which might not be obviously a concern in the consumer space, for example. And you know, uh, even from you now, kind of a, a impact standpoint or a security standpoint. Uh, so, in in case of uh, industrial machines, for example, uh, kind of a much more secure, much more robust uh, testing there because of the possibility of uh, harm to let's say the persons who are operating those machines for example so uh, uh, 
essentially when uh, and that's a need right in most of the industrial iot use cases we always have a human in the loop right so we don't keep every the complete decision loop on in automated fashion most of the cases we do have a human in the loop who can who's the ultimate decision maker there primarily because of the implications involved what's the i'm i'm curious what what is the most interesting or unusual or cool uh, IoT device that you've encountered so far? I, I would imagine you've probably read about or seen some really interesting things. Is there a device that stands out as really unusual or really really fun to think about? Uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a, again a good question. So in my book, right, uh, architectural patterns and techniques for developing IoT solutions. I talk about very interesting use case where I talk about that how we can IoTize a normal egg boiler. Okay, so uh, basically the idea is to uh, the egg boiler itself should kind of uh, determine what is the right amount of uh, water that is required for boiling an egg. Okay, it should ensure uh, that you know uh, the egg is boiled to the right extent, to the desired uh, extent. Because you you might have encountered right all eggs are different you know <laughs> uh, even if you give them the same uh, boiling conditions the output would be different right yeah. even yep. at the same let's say temperature at same duration some would be less boiled others would be more boiled okay so this uh, solution talks about that how we can use IoT so that we have a consistent boiling you know uh, output for the eggs so yeah. it's a kind of a smart egg boiler. So, so do we have to feed the chickens little sensors so that when they lay the eggs, the, the little sensors are inside the eggs? Is that the... Is that That's the, definitely a very, very good idea. We can think about it. <laughs> so, so the IoT sensor knows the egg is almost done. Stop now. <laughs> right. Sorry. And that the fun part about IoT is, right, uh, that uh, the, the moment you start, uh, start talking about uh, use cases or solutions, right? Immediately you start thinking, you know, out of the box. Okay, this is also possible. You know, this is also possible. Mm. So basically, it's kind of you know giving you more options. I'll say. Okay, so your mind is not kind of a constraint. Uh, so, so, so what you know what used to happen earlier? Typically, we used to think only in the software terms. You know? Is it possible? It's not possible, right? Let's say office applications, what it can do. But the moment we involve, you know, physical element to it, uh, the scope of application, the scope of innovation increases drastically. And that's the reason, you know, I uh, call, you know, IoT as an innovation and digital transformation enabler. Yeah, that's that's I really like that. That's really interesting. I because really. Um, if if we can figure out how to unconstrain our thinking, um, I think one of the more interesting problems out there to me is figuring out how to unconstrain our thinking because there we have a lot of solutions in networking and other industries that are sort of like good enough, but they're not that great. Um, but they're widespread; they're in widespread use, so it's kind of like this is the best we can do, and we it, it's not the best we can do and so like this this idea of saying let's involve the physical world and then take off some of the shackles uh, i think that's i think it's really interesting I, I i wonder what kind of uh software constraints we have that aren't really real just because we haven't gone through this exercise of saying let's remove the constraints and see what we come up with 
Uh, it's kind of a metaphysical sort of <laughs> philosoph- philosophical <laughs> angle no, on this. True. but <laughs> Very right. And you summarized it pretty well, uh, Tom. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So, I don't know. Um, so, tell us, I mean, where is the IoT field going right now? I assume it's growing. And I assume that, yeah. you know, we're still going to run out of IPv6 addresses if we keep putting things in everything <laughs> and, yeah. you know, all those types of things. What type of challenges are there and are we trying to find ways of solving those challenges or, or what's going on in that realm? Correct. Uh, so you're right. Uh, IPv6 is uh, definitely uh, required as we kind of <laughs> scale our IoT deployments. Uh, but you know, uh, another uh, way, as I said, you know, what, what is the kind of a next uh, frontier? So, in my view, next frontier would be uh, to not take IoT in isolation, but to see how it can be combined with other uh, technologies. Okay. For example, right, how IoT can be combined with generative AI to even give more richer use cases, for example. Okay. Or IoT can be combined with social media, for example. Okay how IoT can be combined with Web3, for example. Okay, So I believe uh, we should start uh, thinking on those lines uh, because, you know, as, as you know, Tom was also mentioning, uh, sometimes we uh, unconsciously constrain our thinking, you know. we So now we are just thinking IoT, uh, in my view. Uh, going forward, uh, people should start thinking that how we can kind of uh, combine other emerging technologies with IoT to have even more richer use cases. Okay. So any examples of that? I mean, it's great to say, but like what 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 type of examples would you be thinking about other than the egg other than the egg boiler? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, correct, correct. For example, right, uh, in my book, right, there's one uh, specific chapter on this that how IoT can be combined with emerging uh, technologies. Okay, so there, uh, for example, right, uh, uh, there's one example given that, you know, um, uh, two coffee machines are talking to each other, okay, using generative AI, okay, and they are exchanging recipes, for example, okay, they are just talking in a human form, okay, they are taking instruction from the operator, right, in a natural language, for example, and they are able to respond, uh, just like they, uh, we talk to a barista, okay. So, so, so the coffee machine will act as a barista, right? Whatever question you ask, the, the, the machine would be able to answer that. And how it's able to answer that? Because you now we are combining IoT with, let's say, generative AI as a technology. Okay, interesting. And, and I would assume another one might not just be communicating in that way, but like, okay, you know, I see that the trend in this area is to prefer coffee with X percent of whatever, you know, tannins or whatever yeah. the, the ingredients are, and I see the shift in the trend over time. So therefore, the coffee machine can adjust the way it's doing its grind and and the temperature of the water and stuff to match up with what people are doing by just looking around and saying, well, everyone's preferring this coffee over that coffee. So therefore, you know, they're buying more of that than this. So therefore, I need to change, shift what I'm doing to make that better. Um, is that perhaps another I think that's perhaps another that's way of, of uh, looking definitely, at it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So as I said, right, uh, uh, creativity, uh, no, uh, as I mentioned, right, it's an innovation enabler. It's also creativity and answer, you know. The moment we start thinking on those lines, uh, right, the moment we start thinking that, okay, oh, let's say uh, 
social media uh, can be kind of a how social media can complement iot so immediately we have very you know innovative use cases come, coming to our mind yeah okay cool so okay so you've written a book about this so tell us a little bit about the book and um you know uh, just a little bit about what all it covers for those who are interested in doing something with iot yeah so uh, the book title is uh, architectural patterns and techniques for developing iot solutions the book got released uh, in beginning of october this year and it has received amazing reviews uh so the book uh, the reason you know it has been received very well uh, in the industry as well as you know in academia also because it covers a very very you know iot in a very uh, i'll say uh, generic terms okay so for example we are not talking about any specific technology per se we, we are talking about the patterns that are required for developing iot solutions we talk about uh, how let's say uh, security right security is a very broad uh, concept but how security is a kind of uh, uh, how security uh, needs to be implemented in iot solutions okay how analytics right analytics again is a very big uh, topic but how analytics uh, needs to be implemented in iot what all factors a person needs to consider while implementing let's say analytics in iot so there's a one chapter for that and uh, uh, as i said right the the crux of the book is the iot patterns and then uh, the book also gives a perspective that how those patterns can be mixed and matched to create uh, multiple use cases across different domains okay so four domains i talk about in the book retail agriculture industrial a consumer okay smart city also and a lot of you know additional use cases i talk about smart egg boiler is one of the interesting use cases that i talk about so the idea of listing those use cases is to show that these patterns are sufficient for implementing any use case for that matter and and in the book towards the end i as i said earlier that you know i talk about how iot is not the and okay iot is just the beginning how iot can be combined with other emerging technologies i talk about as a 10 12 technologies there how iot can be combined to generate even more richer and beautiful use cases okay cool yeah um tom do you have any other questions before we wrap up and no no i think this has been great thanks jasper yeah, this really yeah. really fun chatting with you thanks yes yeah, it's great thanks. to dive into like this is kind of adjacent to networking but i think you know we have to deal with it we're network engineers and we have to like have you know this stuff is we connected to our network and we need to think about addressing and power and traffic levels and delay and jitter and all that stuff that deals with iot stuff so i think it's really good to to get a view into these other areas. Yeah, thanks, Jasper. So where can people reach you or just LinkedIn or Twitter or X, I guess it is now, or any other places? Do you blog any place? Stuff like that. Yeah, so I'm always available on LinkedIn. That is my preferred platform. Okay. Uh, so I'll share that uh, link uh, in the, maybe to you. Then you can probably circulate to your audience as well. Yeah. But that's my preferred uh, point of reaching. I also have an email. Uh, so email ID is J A S underscore S I N G H one four at yahoo dot com. Okay, so both the places, LinkedIn or email, yeah, is okay. All right, awesome. And Tom, where can people follow you? Uh, LinkedIn is my home as well. 
and LinkedIn is your home, and that's mm-hmm. it. That's it. That's I, have it. One, I, I don't have a summer cottage anymore. I just have one home. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. And all right. I'm Russ White. You can always find me here at The Hedge on rule11.tech on LinkedIn. I do check X every now and again. Not very often. You're better off to, to reach me on LinkedIn or just via email if you want an answer faster than, than the, the, the number of times I log into X uh, in a given week. Um, we appreciate your time. We know that you live in a crazy world. We all live in a crazy world right now where everybody's really busy and your attention is very stretched among many different options. So thank you for listening for this episode of The Hedge and we hope you enjoyed it and we will catch you next time. 